Aid and Abet, the podcast. The conviction to live outside the lines. Hey there, hi there, ho there, Vanessa McGowan. How the heck are you? <laughs> Hello there, Cassie Roma. I am doing great. I, uh, yeah, I've been up pretty early today. Um, had an eye appointment, which actually ties into my 4am thought of the day, which was that I have, I had LASIK last week and I've been having to wear this like eye shield to sleep in. (laughs) And it's so that I don't claw my own eyes out at night and ruin my LASIK. So I understand the functionality of it, but what is hilarious about it and what happened at 4am today is that it's so perfectly shaped for my face that sometimes it suctions and it creates like a little climate inside <laughs> the, the lens. And I woke up this morning and I was like, there's, why am I eye sweaty? <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> um, so that was what 4am was like for me today. <laughs> well, this, this kind of, that's like a menstrual cup for your face. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the only reason the I went again. there, like. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I went there is because when I had my eyes LASIK like 22 years ago, are you, was your shield like a pair of glasses or what does it look like? It looks sort of like a cross between ski goggles and safety glasses. I thought that they might be more modern because when I had mine done here in Auckland like over 20 years ago, they literally took two pieces of just plastic and then taped around it <laughs> and it would go... <laughs> Every day, and I'd have to get new tape and tape around my eyes and go out in fucking public like that, which meant <laughs> I did not go out in fucking public for a week because they're like, you need to stay in them for a week. And they were like domes like this. They looked, they did look like reusable menstrual products that I taped to my face. So, but you had to wear them in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's rough. I mean, <laughs> they didn't have any adult eye surgeons, so I got the the children's one. So I think that they treated me like they treat the kids. I mean, I <laughs> love you, but that's, that feels sort of appropriate, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and uh, yeah. As, as an adult and being such a, a grown-up, serious person, I wanted to just introduce our guest today, who is also an adult and a grown-up, serious person. <laughs> Who's um, also in need of LASIK eye surgery. Stop. <laughs> yes. Tell, tell, tell us about your eyes. Why do you oh, need this just, LASIK? I'm just really blind. I've tossed, I've tossed whether I should get, get it, but all I can think of is, you know, like Miranda from Sex in the City when she comes out of her appointment. <laughs> She's got no one to take her home. It's really sad. Aww. No, that. I'm sure that was a real life thing because when I had mine done too, and so Vanessa had her eyes dilated beforehand, as happens. This is how they do the pre-appointments. Um, I did that. It was like my first month in New Zealand. I just got in a car and learned how to drive on the left-hand side of the road. My now ex-husband, so many things adding up now. I was like, I'm a little busy, mate. I can't come to the eye dilation appointment. And it was in Remuera. I don't know how I ended up in Newmarket, but I ended up at the brewery somehow, crying on the phone, being like, I'm lost, I can't see, and I drove to Newmarket. And he was like, oh, my God. And he had to send one of his friends from the rugby club in a taxi, because Uber didn't exist then, who was drunk, to come get me and not drive me home, but lead me blind back across the bridge. So highly recommend having somebody to help you out. 
<laughs> I think we should introduce you. Everybody, meet Perlina, my friend Perlina. I'm going to do this weird thing where I read about you from NZ on screen. Perlina began her career with the web series Flat 3. Why am I reading it like that? She and fellow <laughs> actors JJ Fong and Ellie Joy made three seasons of a flat. You made three seasons of a flatting comedy? Yeah, we've really milked, milked the situation. <laughs> uh, and you're just, I'm, you're just a basic all-around badass. I love you more than life itself. You know that, especially after bourbons. <laughs> you are fantastic at sneaking up on people while they're trying to take selfies. Um, <laughs> and can you please introduce yourself and do a better job than me? <laughs> I may have written that blurb as well, potentially. They're just like, they're like I just need a basic... Thing. Um, so my name's Perlina Lau. I met Cassie on Treasure Island, for those who, 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 who watched it or don't know how this is all connected. Uh, but I've worked in kind of just in like the media, broadcasting, entertainment industry for probably about a decade or so doing, mm-hmm. on one hand, I've, I've been doing news and television and radio and then on the other side doing this web series, comedy web series with some friends. And then more recently, a television show called Creamery. <laughs> that was Perlina getting role. really excited. Yeah. <laughs> we had one rule, Perlina. <laughs> we briefed Perlina. We're like, you just don't hit your hands on things. Don't make loud noises. And then Vanessa used me as the prime yeah, example. Yeah, don't worry, will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put our guest in the hot seat. That's literally what we do. Um, thank you for being here. The... The reason I wanted to talk to you is first and foremost, very selfishly, any, any moment that we get to talk, I love, because I don't think you and I do um, shallow conversations well. We dive pretty deep pretty quickly. And <laughs> the, entire, the entire kind of mana and ethos of, of this podcast is helping women, non-binary folks, um, people of all diverse backgrounds to talk about life in the creative industries. And to understand how we as, as Wahine here in New Zealand and all over the world navigate these creative indus- industries. Um, and what I love about you is that you tend to march to the beat of your own drum, but you're not this shouty, overpowering human. So tell me a little bit about your background, how you grew up here in New Zealand, and how you've come to be what I see as a very confident, kind, and wildly creative human well thank you firstly for all those compliments uh so my I was born here my parents are from Hong Kong and they Mm -hmm. it's a sort of the classic immigrant story they moved here in their 20s probably met married here and started working together like they had takeaway businesses and that sort of thing that is that is such a sort of common story uh if you will and so really they we're just sort of like, you know, you just need to do better than we did and be more educated. That's kind of it. Um, and then they signed me up for the arts. Felt like a contradiction, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? Um, but it's interesting you say the the whole, sh- the non-shouty thing, because when we started um you know, I grew up doing lots of sort of like drama and dance and all that sort of thing, music. So I think it was sort of inevitable that I would probably land in a creative spot. Um, that was sort of where I was being ushered, if you will. 
Um, but when we started getting the web series, we so myself and JJ Fong and Alicia and Roseanne Liang, we all sort of looked around New Zealand and sort of thought, well, there's a lot of stories about Chinese people, Asian people, and it's always linked to their, uh, it's always linked to the background and the heritage and sort of where you come from, which is absolutely necessary and it's important. But we felt like there was a whole chunk missing, which is there's a whole generation of us that were born here and we're sort of just like Kiwis and Kiwi Asians. We speak with a New Zealand accent. Our parents are pretty westernised. And so we were like, but those, those stories aren't getting told, which is effectively people who look like us and sound like us aren't being represented. So we were like, well, what if we just make a thing? We met on a theatre show and we thought, what if we make it a sort of a sitcom-y flat, kind of like, you know, Girls. Girls was out at the time. There was, um, you know, Awkward Black Girl was, I think, coming out. There was, you know, you got the old sort of 90s, like Friends and all those sort of where people just hang out together. And we were like, well, we could try to do something like that. It'll be different because it's not American, but it could be funny because it's Kiwi. And Kiwis are really good at making mundane things funny. Like we find the comedy and the banal stuff, really small moments that aren't these big kind of dramatic moments. And so we just thought if we just make it and we just put it there and then we'll just be part of the existing stuff. We don't, we just, you, we just want to be there and, and included or, or not even included, just to show that this, here's another thing that exists. Like here's another plate on the table and it can exist alongside all the stuff that already exists. It's not replacing anything. It's just a more is more is more, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we came in to, to, into it. And we didn't really want to make a big scene and hoo-ha about the fact that we were Chinese and three women doing comedy. We were like, that will just be a an added bonus. We're just three people who like acting. Comedy seems to be where we've landed. Um... We know a good story. We know good yarns. Let's just turn that into something you can film and watch and is entertaining. So we sort of were very just, we didn't talk about the fact that we were Chinese. We actually wanted to kind of not talk about it, if anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just show your reality. Yeah, exactly. And that was, you know, 20, 2012, 2013. And then obviously in 2015, 16, 17, in comes Hollywood with the whole diversity conversation and crazy rich Asians. And it became this huge chatting point. And we were like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. So we now, so we are, just, we so we are talking like, about it now. Are we, are we talking about it now? Yeah. But that was an We better come show. up with some points. Yeah. <laughs> we better start mentioning it. So, so that's kind of, that was the whole, that was our sort of intention going into it in the first place was just to be there and be part of it. That's why amazing. was it important um, to to not mention it? What was the the I, guess, I think I can guess why, but what was the main reason that you wanted it to just not be the main focus? I think we just we didn't want to feel like that was the only reason we were doing it. We and that wasn't the only reason to watch it. It was like actually we're just mm. three girls flatting in our early twenties trying to navigate the world. 
anyone can relate. It, any, like lots of people can relate to that. You don't even have to be female. You don't have to be 20 something. You can be 50 something remembering back when you were flatting with your friends, you know, having awkward moments. You're trying to navigate relationships, work relationships, which are weird in your early 20s. You're at the bottom of the They're ladder. always weird. They're, They're so weird. weird. People are so weird. And you come out of this like school <laughs> environment and suddenly you're with all these randoms and you're like, oh, I don't really like some of you, but we're here and I'm at the bottom of the ladder. So I have to, I have to try and make this work for no money. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's such a strange dynamic and no one really prepares you for any of that stuff. Yeah. So you're, tr- you're and, and, and alongside that you're balancing probably flatting for the first time, flatting with people you don't know, working, relationships, and your friends group can be changing or, or, or you've maybe stuck with it. You know, so there's a lot of change and it's a really formative time in your life. And we just thought it's just there's so much comedy to mine from those all of those situations. I think the best comedy comes from the simplest truths. And that's why I absolutely just yeah. adore your sense of humor because it's true. It's like you watch and you watch, right? You are an observer. Do you, do you find that that's kind of one of the bigger roles that you play too is you're an observer and then you bring those stories to life? Yeah, so in the series, we sort of thought, what if we make ourselves the normal ones, the normal ones, and everyone else is weird? Because that would mimic every person's, every person's experience where you kind of walk into a situation and you're like, is it just me or like, what? It's that. You know, and, Why are you and, so weird? This is strange, but you've got no one to tell. And so you're like, oh, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. You're like, I'm sure it's not. So it's, we were sort of going, let's position ourselves to be the, the normal people. And everyone else is a bit odd. I absolutely love that. Uh, <laughs> Vanessa and I were talking about, um, we talk a lot about our experience as expats. So Vanessa's over in the States right now. I'm obviously here. <laughs> You know that because yes. we're here so together. recently. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we were wondering, a lot of what we talk about, and I think a lot of the basis of our friendship, is the translating of who we are within society. How much translating do you have to do within the auspices of the, the work that you do? to bring things to life? Like, do you, what lens do you share your stories through? You said you just want to tell good stories. And the lens for that was, we're the normal ones, quote fingers. Everybody else is fucking weird. It's yeah. true though. Yeah. But what's how the we lens? Feel. Like, yeah. So, how do you bring that to life and get people to pay for that content to put it out into the world? The paying part is still iffy, to be honest. Um, but the, <laughs> <laughs> still working on that. <laughs> Truth bomb. Just trying to bring the bring the eyeballs. Let's start with that. So mm-hmm. we we sort of thought, okay, if I suppose for us it was the because we we're pretty much all Kiwis, we were like, okay, well, I guess this is us trying to traverse the. Uh, we sound and we act and our culture is one way, but we obviously look another. So. If we, if those jokes, if, if any references about being Asian or Chinese come up, kind of organically, then and it's part of the story, absolutely throw them in. But don't jam it in. And I think that naturally came with, uh, you know, for example, one skit might be about Chinese New Year 
and you're dating a white guy, so you're having to bring them bring him to the family situation. That's naturally just going to have a bit of comedy in itself without... That's going to be hilarious. It's a natural situation. And yeah, awkward. It, and yeah, it's awkward. It's And everyone... Everyone can relate either being on either side or having seen it for, as a third party. So, so that kind, those kind of situations were like, okay, well, that's fine to include it and we don't need to force it. It's just part of the story. But if it's not, it's not and it's fine. So we, so we sort of took the pressure off ourselves in trying to uh, – we just told the stories as us. And, and I suppose because at the time – we were doing it on YouTube, right? We were doing it for free off our own bat for the first season. Then we had uh, NZ On Air funding for the other two seasons uh, and then the skits Friday Night Bites as well. But we didn't have the pressure of a network, you know, going, yes. you need to deliver. So we were like, well, we can make whatever we want. We will find people who get us and we will find people who understand. And that's fine if you don't. You don't have to watch our stuff you can watch oh. it yourself. There's so much of it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that was the start of that niche kind of audiences and just as mm-hmm. long as you find the niche and the people who get it, that's all you need. That's all you need. And you don't that's need to the magic. to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about that a lot, Vanessa, as a professional musician, um, coaches independent artists. Oh, and yeah. so many independent artists are like, we want to be on the biggest stages and we want to have the biggest social platforms and we'll change who they are and their story, their authentic story, to meet some kind of standard that they think they need to be. But it'll never work. Where, no, Mm-mm. no. And that's, you can't that's the pressure important. that you talk about yeah, too. Yeah, you can't like the, the Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. It's it's the pressure of trying to be something for everyone. It, I, mm-hmm. I just don't think that it can ever work. No, and it's a horrible way to, to live, but it's also a, it's a terrible way to be creative. You know, it doesn't, doesn't work with yeah. creativity either. It squashes creativity and it's this, this self-pressure that we, the pressure we put on ourselves to be some version of it that we've either seen or heard about or whatever, it's, it's sad how much that pressure that we choose then crushes our ability to actually achieve it. You know, like it's, yeah. it's such a, it's such, it's nice to hear when people are creative and are able to say like from the get go, we took the pressure off ourselves. That's, that's a really massive deal in creativity. I think. I, I should add though, for, for in the beginning, none of this was for none of us, this wasn't a uh, full-time gig. Yeah. So it wasn't our bread and butter. We had other stuff. We all had sort of like day jobs or other things we were chasing. I love and how I you think... just squished your nose up when you said day jobs. Yeah, day jobs. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. Um, but, you know, that's a huge part of how we were able to take the pressure off because we weren't relying on it to make our money. I think when mm. you turn, you know, what was a passion or something into your main source of income, that is, that's a huge – like that's a risk I haven't taken. So I, so mm-hmm. while I'm like, oh, I'm a creative, I'm sort of like, yeah, but I've held on tightly to the broadcasting side of me, which I love, but it also comes with con- um, like a permanent contract. So we yeah. have that freedom to go do whatever we want without the huge fear of basically fucking mm. up and not delivering or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Vanessa, your soul will be fizzing on this oh. with your side hustle, well, the, love. The obsession with going full time is like, it's just, and I felt it. Like, I know what that feels like to to not only feel like you 
should pursue full-time in your creative endeavor, but also that if you aren't or if you don't, you've, you're a failure at it. Like you would be, if you were good enough at this thing, then you, you wouldn't, wouldn't have to have a day job. full-time and, by now. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's obviously yeah. that you suck that you have to have a job. Like that's the thing that I've always said to myself and it's taken so long to unlearn that really like shitty, toxic way of looking at it. It's, yeah. so, it's like I sort of think why can't – I, it's a bit it's a bit like friends you know how different friends feed different parts of you mm. I sort of see that with jobs as well like certain jobs you're gonna get certain things from it so if you're like a music teacher you'll get something from that but then if you if you go and perform on stage yourself that's a completely different thing and you're getting yeah you're, you're getting all the parts of you sort of Satisfied, that sounds weird. But yeah. <laughs> it's all right. We're lesbian adjacent. We talk about euphemisms all the time. But it's <laughs> it's <like>, fine. <laughs> but you're right. You're like, it, it's as if if you don't go full time, you're sort of fraud because you're not yeah. you're not fully committed or, or something. And I think Which, it comes what a back wild from this thing. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just this is too what? it's too exciting for you, me, Casey. I can't I know, talk. this is the most <laughs> You talk because this is what fills your soul. <laughs> well, because it makes me so mad how, A, because I have been the person that, that felt this way, but also this, this, this idea of like, like you say, if you have all these multiple things in your life, they can feed different parts of you. But if you believe that you are this like one-dimensional singular pursuit mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. we're like I am a I am a theater actor or I yeah, am a yeah. jazz musician or I am a novel writer like if you define your entire being in this one term then it's really hard to look at those other things in your life as even needing to be satisfied or fulfilled so it's yeah. this like really you know um overly simplistic way of looking no one is like one thing no one in the world is one thing and it's I think it's actually really harmful to think that way I absolutely hate the question, what do you do? I hate that. <clears throat> when you first meet somebody new, the best feeling is like when you go to a party of people you don't know or an, an event and you walk away and go, oh, I met Perlina. She was amazing and Vanessa was cool. And then you look over <laughs> and you're like, what did, what do they do? And then you're like, I don't fucking know. And isn't that great? <laughs> They're amazing. Because labels suck, man. I know we need them. <laughs> Sorry. I actually love, go ahead, asking, I love asking that question. Oh my because, god! Because I love to know what people spend their days doing. Because I'm like, that's a you, great question. What do you? Do what do you spend your days doing? For like, for like, or like, what do you do in a, in the sense of like, you probably spend eight to ten hours a day doing a thing or multiple things. What do you put your time into the most? So if that is like a powerful question. A bit oh. of everything, or I sit in an yes. office, or I teach kids, yes. or, and I'm like, oh, interesting. Like it tells me something about their personality. Not so much, what are you doing? How do you earn your money? It's like, what have you chosen to spend your life I think doing? That is a powerful you know question. I mean? And I am going to steal that from you from <laughs> this point forward. What do you spend your time doing? <gasps> Perlina. How do you pass the days you have left? Oh, it got dark. <laughs> and we, this that, is why we get you along. Be, you become an intense person at the party. <laughs> Or the person that's backed up against the wall that everybody's like, I will tell this person all of my deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah, you look over and they're like, oh, they're having a DNM. I'm going to leave them. (laughs) So Perlina, my question for you is, out of all of the things that you you do, the lives that you've led, your side hustles, (laughs) your main hustles, your slowdowns, 
how do you, on your terms, define success? This is such a tricky one because I feel like it's a very layered situation. So you've got like your societal successes, right? Like what people, what generally everyone can recognize as success, which is, I don't know, education, material success, financial success. Uh, If you're, I guess if you're an athlete, you know, having awards and, and, and winning competitions and that kind of stuff. That's all thing, that, Those are all things we recognise as a society. And people go, oh, yeah, you're a successful person. Cool. Uh, but then as I go on, I'm like, actually, I think it's the... And those things, I guess, for me, were what I considered to be successful in my like teens and early 20s it was like at this age you'll have this and and once you get this you know once you earn this much you'll be that's that's when you know you've made it or you have xyz and even like we extend that up to relationships right it's like if you're married with kids or whatever if you're in a successful relationship that's all part of it uh, and but now I'm sort of like actually it's really about probably more about the person you are mm-hmm and while mm-hmm. you can say, oh, that's really like centrist lefty kind of vibes. Which I mean, that's fine. Is. Yeah, which it probably that's is. Cool. But I'm like, but no one, I just think at your funeral, no one's sitting there going, oh my God, she used to come up with some really good ideas at the work meeting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or did you ever oh, visit gosh, her she, house in San Jose? Oh my gosh. Like, that, or the one that, in New York? That couch she had was really nice. Like it's not, yeah. no one, <laughs> no one ever, ever really ever talks about that kind of stuff. It's always about what you were like as a person, the kind of impression you had on people, the way you made people feel. And and you could say that probably even for really successful people, incredibly wealthy, successful people. If you're a dick, probably not, no one probably really wants to hang around you. And if they do, it's probably because they have something to gain from you. But as yeah. a person, yeah. if you had nothing, would they still be around you? Maybe not. That's right. That's so right. It's the, it's the it's memories you make like, on that couch, right? The, yeah, <laughs> I didn't mean that. You guys, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I had to take it there, guys. Yeah, you both looked at me like you, psycho. Well, I, oh. <laughs> hey, I'm embracing my my whole era. <laughs> I told my wife that last week, and she's like, "No, you're not. You sleep in the other room most of the time because you have a tummy ache." And I'm like, "This is true." <laughs> <laughs> Too much magnesium in my diet. It's not that a good thing for marriage. So success. I, I agree with you on that. We I feel like there is so much pressure placed on us, especially as women. And then from a creative perspective, it is that chasing the award, chasing the thing. Most of the time they end up collecting dust on a shelf or being put away in a box. And yeah. It's, you know, or people, especially in New Zealand where we have the tall poppy syndrome, you know, I have friends who are, yeah, yeah, I have friends (laughs) who are, you know, gold medalist Olympians and people who've won like Grammys and I've had a friend who's got an Oscar and they hide that shit. And I'm like, so you get there, you won the thing you aspire to and now. Oh my God, I would display that shit so hard. I would have it in my purse. I don't carry a purse. I just carry it. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like gonna happen again so let's just keep riding this train meet my friend oscar (laughs) um we we are 
we are rolling into what could be the longest conversation ever. So um, I didn't warn you about this, but at the end of our podcast with beautiful guests like yourself, we've got one of those fun little quick fire rounds. Oh, God, you game? I'm really bad at those. I'm, You're going to be I so am game, but I'm really, I'm really bad at them. I just, You're not this I, so good. There's no wrong answers, out. though. You're going to okay, do it perfectly because there's no wrong answers. <laughs> Look at you. And then you just freeze. Okay. Yeah. All right, Sorry, guys, go. I lost my connection. So, <laughs> not sure. Um, okay, ready? Three, two, one. Snacks, sweet or savory? Savory. Beach or mountains? Beach. Oh, yes. Beer or bourbon? But of both. Yeah. Oh, beer. Oh, oh, beer. Yeah. I thought you meant yeah, like beer yeah. and bourbon. I was like, okay, yes, wait, we're good. <laughs> uh, sunrise or sunset? Ooh, sunset. Hidden talent. I can turn my tongue into a clover. Oh. <gasps> what? Show us. Breath. Okay. Oh. Oh, my, oh, my you, God, you really oh, can. People at home yeah, are listening. Like she, a, she did. It was like a, um, I think I learned it when I was about 17. I saw someone do it and I was like, teach me your ways, please. And then I had to practice for a week. And my tongue muscles were really sore. It was like, I like would practice around the mirror like an absolute freak. But here we are today. It doesn't hurt at all. This sounds like another couch story, but from a different season <laughs> yeah. of my life. Um, power song. <laughs> oh, power song. Uh, probably, oh, uh, Probably, you know, I will survive, Gloria again. It's just the, it's just the like, it's everything, isn't it? It's the, it's like the speed, the beat. It's the, it's the like tempo of it. It's the, everyone knows it as well, and everyone can sing it. Yeah. Hey, you know, Um, a little little sneaky anecdotal thing with that song. I studied in uh, Las Vegas, and my teacher knew the guy that wrote it, and he literally wrote that one song and did nothing. Else for you the rest wouldn't of have his life. to. You would not have to. <laughs> he was like brought up as this example of like, all you guys need to do, music students, is write one, one song. And it was thing. like, that sounds easy, but I don't think it's oh, quite no. that simple. <laughs> and it's like when people go, the be- the best, the songs that make it to number one often are the ones that were written in like 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. They just sat mm-hmm. down at the piano, wrote it, and that was it. it. You're thinking yeah. of Elton John, yeah. aren't you? Yes. Yes. And I think Adele as well. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Does that. She does yeah. that. And the Beatles, probably. Similar kind of thing. That's the I mean, I've heard of all genius. of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know the Beatles? Heard of the. F- <laughs> I mean, yeah. 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 John, Paul, George, and Zingo. Something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Last question. I love I love asking people this, even not on podcasts. Um, what does a perfect day look like to you? So you're going to sleep, head's about to hit the pillow, and you're like, shit, that was a great day. Two, okay, two, two, can I do two different versions? Of course you can. One where I've been incredibly productive. And probably creative, where I've had some, we've, I've done some good creative work. So it might even be like a good day where we've been filming and nailed some scenes, mm-hmm. or a really big breaking news day in news at work. That yeah. is like one of the, those are just like, oh, like those are the days you live for. And they Fizzing. don't come by very often. Yeah. yeah. Absolute physics. Like you can't sleep either because you're just yeah. like buzzing. Yeah. 
And then the other would be a day where you've done fuck all, but you feel like you've deserved it. Yeah. So, so, so you're like, I just lay on the couch and I watch Netflix and I binge through one and a half seasons and I didn't go outside the whole day. <laughs> Ordered pizza to come to me. Ordered pizza, yeah. And you're like, everything, I like ate delicious food. So it's like, it's balance to man. extremes. It's balance. Yeah. I love that the core tenant of all of this, too, has been the couch. <laughs> I feel like um, that, that should be our wrap-up. Vanessa, do you have any last thoughts with our, with our amazing guest, Perlina? No, this is it's just so interesting. And I, I, love, I love hearing people in from just like it doesn't matter what industry what you know creative pursuit you're in just so much of it's the same and it's it's so cool to hear the story but it's also so important for us all to remember that you know sometimes when we are I think when we are in creative pursuits we can feel really alone especially when we're first starting out we haven't found our people yet you know but your people might not even because there's so many of us yeah there's so that's actually the problem there's too many of us (laughs) that's why it's so hard to actually make it to the top because it's like full of people trying to do it yeah you feel you know like you feel you still feel alone it's silly but yeah Yeah. and we and it's just nice you know I think we all need to remember that we have each other no matter Mm. what our pursuit is we have have the support of other people who are also pursuing things and being creative and telling stories and just being good bloody good people you were gonna say a GC weren't you I was you were gonna probably going to cuss and I just, I real, I pulled myself just back a little bit and I don't know why, cause I've, I've cussed before and I'm going to cuss again, but for whatever reason, you got the respectful vision. <laughs> thank um, you. <laughs> thank you, Perlina, so much. I think what I took from uh, today was that the power of authenticity in telling our stories is where the humor and the grit and the nuance and the truth comes out. And we, to move the proverbial needle and to break down systems and to, to truly just be visible and represented is to tell our stories the way we want to tell them. So I am fucking grateful for you and that you're in this world. And thank you for sharing your truth with us today. Thank you for having me on. This went like, like felt like it was like two seconds long. <laughs> we're, we're neat ladies. We're all the three of us. I'll see you both on the couch after this. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. Aid and Abet is produced by Vanessa McGowan and Cassie Roma with music by Tattletale Saints. Aid and Abet, kindness, love, empowerment, wahine, friendship, Music. Storytelling. Aid and a bet. Change. Change.